Well, I'm here with the Catholic Man Show host, uh, Adam Minahan and David Niles, and we just recorded a Life on the Rock with you. But I'd like to hear some of the backstory. Tell us about your upbringing and your own faith journey. We'll start with you, David. Okay, yeah. So um, I grew up in a very Catholic home, to Mass every Sunday. Uh, you know, both of my parents were, you know, instructed us well in the faith. Um, and then when I got to college, I just kind of decided I was had other things to do other than practice my faith. Uh, my the second Sunday of my college career was the first time I ever missed mass in my whole life. Mm. Um, and I remember that Sunday feeling guilty, like mm. I didn't go to mass today on purpose. You know, and right. I I did it on purpose. Right. Full consent to the will. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All three of the necessary <laughs> things were there. Yeah. Um, and then the next Sunday, I didn't feel guilty at all. And it, it's one of those things I've reflected on, and kind of with amazement that mm-hmm. this habit that I, my parents had given me, my whole life going to mass, just thrown away. Yeah. Um, for for nothing really. I could have. Yeah. There was mass, you know, yeah. in the evening. There was, mm-hmm. you know, I could have. It's not like, oh, I didn't want to wake up early. Mm-hmm. It just, I didn't want to go. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of converted to just being apathetic. Were you kind of more kind of energetic, rebellious, kind of marched by the beat of your own drum type of guy? Not, not necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I would say energetic. I would say it, you were oh, yeah, well, energetic. Yeah, I, was, I was energetic, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I was, I'm not like a rebellious person yeah, by yeah, nature necessarily. Yeah. Not, unless, of course, I think something is illogical, then mm-hmm. I, I do have a tendency to yeah. rebel against things that are illogical. Right. Um, but no, I'm, I'm not like a anti-authority person. Right. Um, it was just one of those, I, I don't know, I just stopped doing it. I was, you know, more interested in drinking and partying and... You went to a big school and... It was fairly big. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And your parents tried to pull you back or... Yeah, you know, I like, I, I didn't tell them necessarily I wasn't yeah. going to Mass. Yeah. I mean, I, I think at some point they, they, they kind of figured it out and... <laughs> I, you know, my mom later has told me that, you know, they were praying very hard for me and, All right. uh, mm-hmm. and praise God. Those yeah. prayers were heard. I mean, yeah. so far. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it wasn't that I didn't believe in the Catholic Church. Um, if you had asked me back then, I would have said, yeah, oh, yeah, I, the Catholic Church mm-hmm. is true. Um, I just didn't care. Right. Kind of. And Adam, it was similar for you? Or? It was, yeah. I mean, it was very similar. So Dave and I's families, we've been best friends. My, our parents are best friends. We grew up together, you know, and we went to Catholic high, high school together. Uh, we went to college. That's kind of when a very similar story to, to Dave's. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, we were still really good friends. We were still best friends. But, boy, we were able to <laughs> convince each other to do things that we probably wouldn't have done by ourselves at right. that you know at that moment and it wasn't until we graduated college and we moved in together uh, and had jobs that we started like realizing man I'm there's just something in, there's just something missing like we're, we just didn't feel fulfilled like we just felt like it was just kind of day after day after day. it was like it just didn't seem like we weren't alive or something right. you know it didn't feel right. like that we were there 
And so we tried all different things, right? We, we, we did fitness, we got into fitness, we got into eating certain things, you know, or, you know we, we tried all these different things. Yeah. And then one day, I came, I came into the, to the living room, Dave's sitting on the couch, he's watching TV, and I go, Dave, I have a crazy idea. He's like, okay. He didn't know like what I was going to say, or I go, what if we go to mass this Sunday? And Dave was like, okay. That is a crazy that idea. That is a crazy <laughs> idea. You know, and here we are, we've been, we've been going to mass, yeah. you know, our whole lives. Yeah. We, we stopped going in college and, but, we, but for whatever reason we said like, let's go to Sunday. So I think we went to, we went to confession, then we went to Holy Mass and we got introduced to Catholic radio at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the ember that lit the fire to, to not like being Catholic, but mm-hmm. like love being Catholic in our DNA. Yeah. We want to be, you know, we want, right. we're striving for the Lord. We're striving for holiness. Yeah. Um, and it was our, our friendship yeah. that kind of helped out. Now, did y'all go through a time where maybe you thought like the relationship, the like a dating relationship or marriage would be the answer to that emptiness? I think a lot of people do that you know that's this i think pope benedict described like the promise of irresistible happiness you know that that human love offers us you know that uh the gel hmm. that wasn't part of it you or? know oh i i was certainly mm-hmm. i mean certainly pursuing those things yeah, you know and yeah. uh i don't know that i was doing it so like knowingly right you know like oh if only i could do this then i would be yeah. Yeah. perfectly happy yeah um in fact my plan i remember in college thinking like oh yeah i'll come back to the church later hmm. you know sort of like the prayer of saint augustine give me chastity but not yet right um yeah. and I, I i know that that is a that's a, a perilous like mental place to be where it's mm-hmm. like oh yeah i'll come back to the church later it's always it's always later you know tomorrow right? thanks be to god i did come back you know yeah. because it's so easy to just get into that groove where it's like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, next, you know what? Next Sunday, I'll think about yeah. going to mass. Not, not this Sunday. Right. Um, so that was kind of my attitude. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's funny. Uh, Adam and I. One of the things we had a tradition of doing with our dads was going to the uh, Oklahoma Catholic Men's Conference. We've been going since the the very beginning, like for twenty four years or twenty five years. I mean, long, long time. And one year, Father Larry was there, and I was maybe in high school, eighth grade. So, mm-hmm. And I remember him giving a talk, and at, the, at one point in the talk, he said something like, so when you're laying in bed, and you can't figure out why you're unhappy, and you can't go to sleep, I want you to hear my voice saying, I told you so. <laughs> and actually, I had a moment. And I remember laying awake in bed one night in college, and all of a sudden I heard Father Larry saying, I told you so. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> he did tell me. You know, and so I had periods in college where I would, you know, return to the church with fervor, you know, and I'd go to daily mass, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff it, it it would last a few weeks yeah, you know and yeah. it was on rocky back. soil right yeah exactly <laughs> i'd slip back into my old habits yeah. and you know like part of that was i wasn't surrounding myself by people who were moving in that in that direction you know right. all none of my friends i didn't have any catholic friends in college mm-hmm. uh because i didn't i, I don't know like i mean I, adam adam was yeah. but we went to different schools so we didn't see each other 
Oh, you were in different schools. Yeah, so we actually didn't go to the same college. Oh, okay. And this is all in Oklahoma? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, I mean, I definitely was, in general, pursuing those things yeah. to, to yeah. try to fill that void. Yeah. Well, what was it on Catholic Radio that hit you, Adam, that really... It was, a, I remember it was a Catholic Answers Live, and I started listening to apologetics, and I started, like, understanding, like, wait a minute, Cat, I, like, I, I always had it in my heart, like, understanding, like, the Catholic Church is true, right. but I didn't know how to explain it, I didn't know how to, like, articulate it, if you asked me certain questions, I, I really wouldn't know the answers, mm -hmm. and then I started realizing, no, wait, these guys are, have devoted their lives to learning about the Catholic faith and teaching the Catholic faith, and they're doing it because it's true, and they can they can prove it. Right. You know, they can prove that this is true. And when when that happened, I realized, okay, this is something we need to grasp onto. It's something we need to bite, sink our teeth into, and like really, really study. And that's when Dave and I started really challenging each other, starting to push each other. Hey, did you hear about this? Did you hear this on the radio? Did yeah. you know that? You know, when we really started. Um, sinking our teeth more into the right. the the depths of, of catholicism yeah right yeah for me it's the same the apologetics just taking it to where it's like the catholic faith is true and i can prove it hmm. it's not actually like a matter of faith you know yeah. where you just ha oh just you just have to trust me you know right. like there's right. no evidence you just it's oh, just mm. take it on faith like no, no no that's not what we mean by faith yeah. You know, we can actually prove uh -huh. yeah. pretty definitively right. that Christ started the Catholic Church. Right. Right. I mean, it's pretty big, uh, pretty big deal. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, that really, yeah, like, lit a fire for me again. Yeah. You know, because once again, I'm, I like things that are logically yeah. consistent. And I, there are a few things that I re remember very, very clearly that my dad said to me as a kid. Um, and one of them, and I don't remember where I was, I can just see him saying this to me, it was like, he stopped and said, you know, I think he was talking to us kids, and he said, everything that the church teaches is true. Mm. And I, he was, he explained to us, like, the church is inerrant. This is mm. a promise we have received from God, mm -hmm. that she will never, ever teach anything that is not true. Right. Um, and so when I started listening to apologetics again, that moment and that memory kept coming back to me. And so yeah. it really, the apologetics were like a, an accelerant, yeah. like throwing gasoline on a fire, you know? Yeah, I think that is the way God works with so many of, of us that, you know, I think he anoints certain words and friends or teachers or something spoken to us that he'll call it it's like the Holy Spirit, he'll call to mind, you know, all the things Jesus said and did and stuff. But I think also other people, what they said. I It happens to me with like Mother Angelica, things she said, mm -hmm. or uh, I had a, a friend that played a role. I kind of had this ex conversion experience and he, he had gone to Steubenville. So just a lot of things he told me just were just like, you know, it's just really in there. Right, you know? yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd like to ask you all too, you're both married now, have four kids. Um, it's a big topic today for young men, women, about finding that right person to get married. Right. What were some of the things that helped you to do that? 
What advice well, would you okay, give? Okay, well, in, in, in my case, um, my, I'd known my wife oh, since I was in kindergarten. So actually, Adam and I and uh, my brother-in-law, my wife's brother, we were all in the same kindergarten class. Mm-hmm. Um, he's now a priest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had, and I used to go over to the O'Brien's house mm-hmm. as a kid and so I, and, yeah. yeah, like our families knew have known each other forever. Right. And then, so when we started dating, it, you know, like this is one of the things that always annoyed me when people, you'd be like, how do you know mm-hmm. when it's, it's how, when, and they'd be like, oh, no, when you know, you know. And All I'd right. be like, no, how do you know? <laughs> Don't feed me that line. I want to know. How do you know? And then like when I started dating Pamela, it was just so obvious. You do. I, I just I was like, oh, yeah. In fact, I wrote her a letter three weeks after our first date telling her I was going to marry her and like all this stuff. And I mailed it to myself and I gave it to her on our wedding day. It's uh-huh. um, so just like I just knew. Oh, wow. Um, but I, I will tell you. Sorry, you had Adam to postmark it. Was that the reason? The yeah, I wanted it? to be postmarked, you know, like. So she'd believe you. Right, yeah. And. I had dated, you know, plenty of other women, and when she and I were dating, it was the first time I ever had um, dated someone who was really Catholic. Mm. I had you know, one other Catholic girlfriend, but yeah. uh, because before, like chastity was always a big struggle. It, mm. it was something that I pursued, yeah. at least in the beginning. Right. But if you're yeah. the only one on that team you know typically the girls I dated were like oh, if that's what you want to do then yeah. you know yeah. that's cool but yeah. if I didn't want to if I had a moment of weakness they were right. fine with that too right. you know right. um, so then when Pamela and I were dating it just was night and day you know that yeah. we were both on the same page and yeah. the fact that we both um, our faith was important to us yeah I, I mean I cannot overestimate or yeah. overstate yeah. the difference that that made right. um, I just can't, I cannot imagine my household, my family, if we weren't, if we didn't have that in common. I don't, I I honestly don't even know that would be, I mean, it would just, everything would be so much harder. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the main things that I was, I was looking for is to grow, grow a family, have a family. And so when I met Haley, she actually was not even, uh, baptized she was not uh, she had no no faith religion at all uh, but she we started going to mass together and she she was uh, intrigued by it and she then she really desired it and so in a three-month period she had five sacraments in a three-month period so talk about a, a grace bomb right there right I mean that was just like boom like you know just got tons of grace but she, like there's so much that uh, so many qualities about her that I, I realized this is who I want to spend my life with. Like her, her maternal instincts, her uh, desire to uh, support me, her, her desire to, um, her hospitality that she has for everybody coming in. I realized these are qualities that I want uh, a mother to, to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and, and whenever like we were able to pray, when we started praying together, I realized, okay, I've been a Catholic my whole life, you know, almost basically, minus the twenty days before before I got baptized, I've been I've been a Catholic my whole life. And she has a heart for. I mean, her prayer was it, 
just like hit me like it's a, mm-hmm. a stomach punch of like just how uh, beautiful her prayer life was even though it was very in elementary stages it's brand new brand new yeah uh and so those were the those were the key things whenever i realized uh th- this is the this is the woman i want to spend the rest of my life with yeah. she's making me a better a, a better person yeah. yeah and she was baptized like after you got married or no so she got she got baptized. So three months before we got married, she got baptized, and at, then at the Easter vigil. At the Easter vigil, mm-hmm. and then uh, so baptism, uh, the confirmation. confirmation. She went to confession, the Eucharist, yeah. and then and the holy matrimony. Wow! Um, all in three months. <laughs> so um, so it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and you like for people who are pursuing the vocation of holy matrimony. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you. This is the biggest decision you'll ever make. Like. Well, what house you buy? That's a big decision, but it's not anywhere near. Right. You know, like right. this is very, very important. Yeah. And so, I mean, the the purpose of the vocation is to get each other to heaven. Children are not the purpose of marriage. Children are a fruit of the vocation, but not the vocation itself. So, um, that's the most thing. The biggest thing is pick someone to marry who is dedicated to getting you to heaven, like Mm -hmm. to help it. You need to do that for them. They need Mm -hmm. to do it for you. If they're not on board with that, Mm -hmm. then don't do it. And for the women out there, I think that this is a a good indication. indication. Do not marry a man who cannot fast. Mm -hmm. If he cannot fast, and if he won't fast for you, maybe he hasn't thought about it. You know, like maybe he wasn't raised that way. You know, don't hold that against him. But if he won't do it, if he can't do it, then he's not, he's not fit to be your husband because right. a husband needs to be able to make sacrifices and right. deny himself, and deny to, himself yeah. for you, his bride. And if he can't, then don't. Right, right. I also wanted to ask you all about, uh, you, you spoke some about the impact of your Catholicism on the marriage, but what about in you all's friendship together? Because you had that phase where you're not practicing and then how did that quality change for you? as friends? Well, I mean, I think it, it changed the way, it became more of an authentic friendship, right? Because we were, our friendship started becoming rooted in Christ as the foundation. Uh, we started challenging each other not to do dumb things, but to like, to become better men, to, to, to learn more, to, to hold each other accountable. Uh, there are several times where I remember we were, we were like, I was like coming home from work and I was like complaining or moaning or, or you know, and Dave said, hey, don't use that language. Mm. And I realized, huh, <laughs> like I had never even thought about that. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like I'd never even like, that was right. just kind of like how I was living at that time. And right. I realized, oh, well, he's doing that because he wants me to be a better man. Right. And I, there's been many a time, many exam- examples throughout yeah, uh, that that time period where it's just been like I realized, oh, well, we're no longer doing things to uh, just challenge each other for being silly, doing silly, meaningless things. Right. We're challenging each other to actually grow. Right. Right. I mean, it's like, yeah, Christ transforms everything. Big shocker, you know. Uh, <laughs> but if if you, um, I think it's almost impossible. To have an authentic friendship, and what I would define as an authentic friendship is loving the other for their sake alone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost impossible to do that, to have that kind of relationship, if it's if if you don't have Christ at least. Mm-hmm. 
and a friendship has to go two ways, you know? So like, I might be able to like really love on somebody, but if they're not willing to really love on me back, mm -hmm. then it's never going to be an authentic friendship. Um, right. It'll be kind of one way, one sided. Right. Right. Um, and until you can do that, you're always going to have what Aristotle calls friendships of utility or friendships of pleasure. You know, right. either maybe we're friends because like uh, we just really enjoy each other's company. But at the end of the day, it's because I enjoy, you know, I'm getting something out of this. Right, right. And if those things that either the utility that maybe it's a useful friendship, mm -hmm. um, the utility or the pleasure go away, then so will the friendship. Um, and we all have a lot of friendships yeah. like that. And that's OK. You know, not every relationship, friendship you have has to be like you know, this, like, I'm giving you my whole self, you know, like, you better, you know, like, here I come, you know. Uh, so it's, it's fine to have, we all have a lot of people like that in our lives. But, yeah. you know, for Adam and I, it changed because now all of a sudden our friendship was actually, like, really important. Yeah. It was very valuable because it was progressing us towards this thing that we both had discovered, which is Christ, right. Right. Um, and like now all of a sudden our friendship became an avenue to him, yeah. which it hadn't been before. And it couldn't yeah. be without, right. without yeah. that, without him in it, you know? Yeah. And I, I've just noticed that like with lay friends, especially that, um, I mean, the lay friends I have, they take their faith seriously and everything. And it's, uh, it's been such a blessing to me in my own relationship to, discuss things with them to get points of view and um one's a protestant man and um and his insights and you know he's very scriptural and everything and um it just strengthens me you know that we mm -hmm. share that together yeah it's like a strengthening that i so appreciate um let me ask you too uh you're married you're pushing 10 years now or eight, yeah nine i'm nine, nine. yeah um, i'll be seven seven, seven years yeah. this summer so you're through the honeymoon period, four kids. It's getting real. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. All this virtue you talk about. <laughs> talk about like dying to yourself. You talked about that beautifully on the show about the man, especially imitating Christ to sacrifice himself. I see that transformation and young men getting married all the time. It's like you know, they have this responsibility. Or, yeah. And I hear women talk about it, too. It's like they don't have time for themselves, you know. And they find themselves, this is real giving. <laughs> Talk about that journey now. I'll start with you, Dave. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like when you, you get married and you think, oh, that, like, you know, everything is so wonderful. And like, wait till you just get a bunch of kids because it's it just, it's just like cr it's crazy. You know, you, sometimes you come home and it's like the house is, is like destroyed. Right. But, you know, there is so much more joy. I love children right. um i've never been like a baby guy yeah. until like i started having some you know <laughs> and i remember looking at my first daughter and thinking i'm gonna keep one of these in the house like as long as i can <laughs> you know because they are the best you know like if you if you think you like naps but you've never taken a nap with a baby like you don't even know what a good nap is okay <laughs> like you get like a little baby uh -huh. cuddled up on you yeah. like oh you're gonna nap like you never have before but like one thing that I think people forget about when they talk about like fatherhood and uh, like the welcoming of children is the is uh, the spousal dimension um, that like 
You can't be a father until you're a bridegroom. Okay, uh, bridegroom precedes father. Um, and there's a lot of attack on fatherhood today, but really what they're doing is attacking uh, the bridegroom. Um, and that's what it's about. And the self-sacrificial love that you're talking about, it's, it's actually not oriented towards the children. It very often plays itself out in service to the children, but it's oriented towards the bride. It's all a marriage is not about raising kids. It's about loving your wife. Um, and the more kids you have, the more opportunity you have to love your wife and to, and to serve her. Right. Um, and that's in the, that's the, I think where we get confused. And I mean, you see it quite a bit where there's these couples who their kids grow up and they leave the house and then they get divorced mm-hmm. because their marriage had become uh, cooperation in raising these kids. Right. And it worked yeah. until the kids were gone. And then they were like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. who are you? You know, yeah. and they, they, had you know, departed from what really marriage is, is about husband and wife yeah. serving yeah. each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, that's just, we can, you can never take your eyes off of your bride. Yeah, I'm thinking of like Paul VI, he talks about the unitive dimension of marriage, the procreative, and how they're both interwoven in things. But yeah, I've heard other men describe it, you know, the unitive being like the union of the man mm-hmm. and the woman. And that, um, I've heard other, it seems like Protestant ministers will talk about, like the best thing you can do for your kids is love your wife. You know, they have that stability. Mm-hmm. They see that love in you. It's just, it just gives them a sense of well-being and peace and that the world's safe and everything's okay, you yeah. know. And uh, I've got a friend of mine that he just does a simple thing. Been married a long time and just does a date night once a week. Yeah. You know, he mm-hmm. talks about how that's such a blessing for his marriage. Just to hard to, Hard to commit to. Yeah. I mean, really, like mm-hmm. when you have to organize babysitting every yeah. week, maybe. I mean, it's like so expensive. it's yeah. expensive and it's just exhausting sometimes to like plan it all. And, yeah. y- you know, uh, but it's it's important to do. Right. My right. father-in-law has a saying um, to he would tell his kids when they were young. Uh, I chose her. You guys just showed up later. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, let's make, let's make clear where my priorities lie, okay? Like, you guys are great, but I, the, she's the one that I, you know, and I actually remember, sorry, Adam, I'll let you say something too here, here in just a minute. I remember being a little kid and uh, my dad actually telling me he loved my mom more than he loved me. I remember that. And I remember going like, yeah, okay. You know, it's like, that's fine with me, dad. I'm not... Right. <laughs> and I, I remember I didn't take it like, oh, dad doesn't love me. I knew he loved me. Yeah, like, yeah. obviously, that's not what he's saying. Like a kid right. knows right. his parents right. love them. Right. You know, uh, right. if, you know, if you love your children, they will know yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, and so, but I just remember that like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. dad really loves mom. And it was very comforting, yeah. actually. Yeah, the man's supposed to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. I right, see right. that in Genesis. And I remember, it wasn't so much with myself, but I remember my older brother, you know, I think my dad told him something like, you know, he wasn't going to take care of him forever type of thing. Right. And it was kind of like this wake-up call for us. You know, that, Wait, what? what? <laughs> yeah. Well, who's going to take care of me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that, that's also part of what fatherhood is, right? Is to establish, you know, to provide, to protect, to establish. Mm-hmm. And like as a father, it, 
it's our calling to establish our kids to get them prepared to right. to, to to go out into the world. Yeah, uh, we can't be those uh, helicopter parents where we can't you know, we're too afraid to let them mess up. You right. know. Um, yeah. But I think that 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 it goes back to what you were saying, like order, like creates peace. You know, Aquinas talks about you know when there's order, there is peace, and mm-hmm. when the when the children know that there's order within the family that, that brings about peace. Yeah. And so when they know that the that, that mom loves dad and dad loves mom and yeah. when dad walks into to uh, from work, you know, the first thing he does is is, is kiss mom and say hello, you know, I love right. you. Right. Like there's just something about that yeah. that's ordered that they go ah. Right. You know, and then obviously you that manifests into the love that you show your kids yeah. as well. And and they see Ah, oh, that's how a man loves a woman, and yeah. as a from a woman's perspective, ah, oh, that's how a man loves a woman. You know, mm-hmm. so it's two different angles that they're seeing here. That your sons are seeing that's how I treat a woman, and the, the your daughters are seeing that's how a man treats a woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is key to establishing them if they're seeking a vocation in marriage someday. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think yeah, too. Even like with the whole realm of faith and the practice of religion. You know, the, the statistics show men have the greater impact on the kids, whether they practice the faith as mm-hmm. adults or not. And But I think about, yeah, how important that is that I, my parent, my father and his father, my grandfather, took the faith seriously, you know, and mm-hmm. this was an important thing. And at least just even just like respect for it, you know, and um, and respect for women, as you said. And even too the thing I think I, I got to see some old videos when I was in high school and my grandparents were visiting and I saw myself interacting with my grandfather and everything. And I, and it, it was good. You know, I was, I was happy though. I was like respectful. You know, we joked around, had a good time, but you know, sometimes, you know, kids, especially boys, you know, push boundaries. They can get, um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> and I thought that came from my father because I always saw him respecting his father. Right. You know, and that just taught me so much that I didn't, I don't even think I fully realized it, you know, even recently. But um, it, it really is a gift um, for your children to see. I, I just learned this in the last several years, you know, so um, my dad's dad died a few years ago. Uh, but to watch him, and he was, he had Parkinson's and dementia, you know, and so he needed a lot of care. Uh, but to watch and see my dad honor him mm-hmm. in the last you know stages of his life was really a, a huge gift for me yeah. and it's it's one of the very few things that um, God makes a promise about where um, if you honor your father and mother you know that a long life will be given to you you know mm-hmm. like there are not very many things where God says if you do this yeah. I will respond in this way right, right. Um, but this is one of the things that was so important to him that yeah. He actually said, like, here's the, here's right. what it will be. Right. I know on your show you've spoken about, like, courtesy and being a gentleman. Um, yeah, I, I remember one time I, we lived out in the country. I grew up in Alabama, and we, we had, like, a rattlesnake we'd killed, you know, as a boy. <laughs> we had <laughs> blown its head off with a shotgun or something. <laughs> And I remember awesome. we, oh, yeah, we threw it in the freezer, so it was, it was frozen. Dad, I'm going to take the shotgun. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> but I, it was, it was, 
it was the fall because I remember there was a lot of leaves and I and I was going to play a trick and I, I put the thing in the leaves and you could see like the it was coiled up you know so you could see the bands if you've ever been around a rattlesnake you know it is just freezing everything about it right like, you hear the sound yeah <laughs> but even the diamondbacks on it and everything but and my dad knew I was doing this my mom was coming home she's walking down this leafy walkway oh, and then he called out at the last minute and he said you know honey be careful and she kind of paused and then she saw it and she was scared and but I, I remember my dad I thought at first I thought, dad you're you're spoiling this great joke you know <laughs> but I looking back on it it was so important because he said you have to have limits to your humor or maybe to your aggression you know that yeah. men have to teach mm-hmm. and I think that's in courtesy or we call it chivalry that's so important it is so much more powerful when it comes from another man it's mm-hmm. like this is the way men behave you right. know mm-hmm. I was blessed to be around a lot of great uncles I had in my family and some uncles and the uncles weren't practicing the faith, but they were like manly dudes that were, they just had a sense of that, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's just these intangibles that they teach by their presence, you know, but. Um, yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, about how men have this impact on children in the faith. Yeah. One Another component that like really amps up children's receptivity to the faith will they will they maintain the faith yeah. is if they are a part of their parents at some point do they get welcomed into their father's peers mm. um, and if those peers are also men, you know men of virtue and men of yeah. you know of yeah. faith um, that has you know it's, it's sort of the coming of age yeah. that's one thing we right do so, passages, so, ter- yeah. so terribly in our culture Um, I don't know if it's just America or uh, I'm not an expert on Western culture. I don't know, you know, Mm. I'm sure there's many, many things that have historically been part of different cultures, Uh, but there's no rite of passage for uh, young men, young boys today to where they know now I'm a man. Now I'm expected, you know, like that's a, it's it's a big deal. So Mm. when boys all of a sudden now get to associate with their father and his friends. Yeah. It has a very like solidifying effect yeah. when he sees dad's friends also going to mass. Right. Uh, and now I'm one of them. Right. That's what I must do. You know, yeah. it's a yeah. community. It like brings a community in. Yeah. And even just like, I remember my, my parents are good. They weren't like, party throwers, but they would invite like couples over or a guy friend from work to barbecue some chicken, you know. Uh-huh. And I, looking back on it all, it's just so important just to be in the presence. Like you said, this realm of men, uh-huh. of work people, you know, dad, these are people dad works with, mm-hmm. you know, and I can see the, the humor, I can see their interaction, I can see the, the club of it or something, you know, and you feel like, yeah, you're in that world, yeah. right, introduces you. Um, but you all do speak about courtesy, kindness on the show. What, what do you all talk about in forming men? Well, one of the things, so I have three boys uh, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a daughter. And one of the things, the quickest way to get into trouble at my house, there's two things. You disrespect your mother or you lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the, 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 the quickest things. And, and the reason why I'm trying... You know, I, I do this is because I'm trying to raise my boys to let them know, like we treat women with dignity and they deserve to be loved. Right. And so we play with Anna, my daughter, differently 
then we play with uh, your, your brothers. We can't right. wrestle the same way, right. you know, as brothers right. as you do. And the reason why is is because uh, uh, because they we love them so much that we can't. We don't want to hurt them, you know, right. even if, even if it's accidentally. Right. But you don't want to hurt them physically. You don't want to hurt, hurt them uh, with your words or anything. Right. So uh, I really try to instill in my boys. This is actually something that I really struggled with because so I wrestled in high school and wrestling was a good, like, it was a good for me. It gave me discipline and confidence. And I wanted to give that to my boys, right? So I, I was going to let them wrestle. Mm-hmm. Well, we went to wrestling practice and 30% of the wrestlers there were girls. And at like six, at, seven, at eight, six, nine. seven years old. Yeah. Young girls. Right. And I had to pull my boys out of wrestling because I wasn't gonna let them sit there and yeah. roll around right. with with uh, the opposite sex. Yeah. I mean that's that's just not it defeats good. what you're trying to do at home. It, yeah, right. it, it doesn't complement what I'm what I'm teaching them at home. And so um, that's frustrating because that I would like them to wrestle, but yeah. that's just not something that yeah. we can do right now. So um, anyway, I just really try to instill, and in, when I'm raising my boys, that they, they say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. They look people in the eye. We, we yeah. do after dinner, we have these uh, little things that we do uh, together where it's like, today I'm going to teach you how to shake a man's hand. Right. You know, and it's, I'm teaching them how to give a proper handshake. And then Today we're going to learn how to say yes, ma'am, uh, to the point like appropriately. Like you don't want to do the, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. I mean, right, like when right. you say, when you utilize manners in that I aspect. I still can't figure it out myself sometimes. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. see, like the liberal culture, like so offensive. You call a woman man. Right, and, all of a sudden, and like I taught, you know, Luke, who's who's he's now eight. Like I teach him, like we op- we let girls go first. So. I hope you open the door mm-hmm. and let the girl go first. Mm-hmm. Or it's dinner time, you give the, the plate to the girl yeah. and let her go first. Right. And this is all just, all, all it's, I'm trying to do is reinstill that uh, how you treat a woman is you treat them with respect, you treat them with love, and uh, you treat them with dignity. Yeah. And yeah, I think the parallel to me is like you treat a woman, you know, a woman is trained to be modest or taught to be modest because she has this power of attraction, of yeah. you know, inciting lust or whatever. So you have to temper that. You have to guard that. You have to moderate that. Mm-hmm. And men, you know, they can have like this aggression, kind of joking around too strongly, you know, mm-hmm. going too far and all this. And so we have like chivalry to moderate that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Know? And it's beautiful because there's like these differences and they're complementary with one another. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and it's beautiful and it works together, you know, because I, I think it is respectful to the other sex. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not going to try to manipulate you with my looks or something. Right. You know, and all that. But, yeah. Yeah, that's true. You don't really hear that very often, how chivalry, women are chivalrous mm-hmm. by practicing modesty right but i mean yeah i mean beauty is one of the things that belongs to the female sex yeah in in a way it doesn't belong to the male sex right and i i'm a little bit like oh disheartened when you know these days if you uh, women have kind of been trained to like reject their beauty almost in um pursuit of success Mm-hmm. You know, so in, in fact, it's maybe even offensive to mm-hmm. tell, to make a compliment or, to, you know, to, to say like, oh, she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And because there are people are, they might be afraid that, oh, I'm not successful because I'm beautiful. Right. I'm, right. Success, I'm successful because I'm, you know, 
and all these competent other, you know, all these other things. Yeah, yeah exactly. Competent yeah. and determined and, right. you know, dedicated. And it just, it hurts me a little bit to see women masculinized re and, yeah. and yeah. rejecting their beauty, yeah. almost like they're offended by their own beauty. Right. Uh, because like that is it's like, that's one of your, that's one of your gifts. Yeah. Uh, and you only, you have it right. in this, in this way. It's like, you should be celebrating it. Yeah. You know, I had a friend too point out to me one time too, like as a mother, how that beauty can, can minister to the child so much, you know, that the child looks at her mother his mother and sees a beautiful face that's inviting, that's tender, you mm -hmm. know, that's um, that's just kind of um, warming or something. It puts right. you at ease, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's a great gift to cultivate in the culture, you know, to to have. But you know, Adam, I don't know if we ever heard from you. What would you tell a young man that's dating what to look for? Because yeah, you you married, you were dating her. She wasn't even baptized, mm -hmm. so. I know you, you did list some virtues of your, your wife, but what would you tell like the typical Catholic guy out there? Uh, I would tell the typical Catholic guy to, to, to look for a good Catholic woman. Uh, even though I, I come from a guy, <laughs> you know, I, I, my wife wasn't Catholic at the time, right? Yeah. But um, if you don't, it, it makes it, if she's not willing to become Catholic for, for, for the sake of her own soul, you know, for right. the sake of, uh, for, for that right. You sake. don't want her to convert just because, like... Just because you're forcing oh, well, it upon her or right, something exactly. like that. But for the sake of, uh, she's found the truth, the good, the transcendental. She's found right. Jesus. Um, if she, if, if she's not willing to do that, uh, you're going to have a lot of issues down the road. There's going to be a lot of things you have to, you're going to have to overcome. It's not that it, it's not doable. But there's going to be a lot of issues down the road that you guys are going to have to overcome, especially when you have children. Right. Because um, she'll be the principal educator, most likely. Right. You know, you know and as parents, you're, you are, like the catechism says, you, you are the first educators of your children. Well, if right. you guys are not on the same page as educators, it's yeah. going to make a, there's going to be some, some tension there. Right. Um, but I... Yeah, because is the Eucharist Jesus or isn't it? Right. If she's not Catholic... The, the, you know, mm -hmm. make, that's a big mist, mixed message to send right. to your kids. And if she believes that the Eucharist is Jesus, well, then why isn't she Catholic? You know? Right, like, right. Um, right. Uh, but I would, I, would, I, would, I would advise men to be praying for their wife. To be, uh, there's a, a website called e5men.org. And every win, the first Wednesday of every month, it's a bread and water fast. Now, whether you are, and it's for your, your wife. Now, whether you are, are married or you, you're looking for marriage, mm -hmm. um, you can still fast for your to-be wife someday. Yeah. Uh, you know, God is outside of space and time. He can, right. you know, you, you can still do that. You so I, crazy stuff. Yeah. So I can, uh, <laughs> so I would advise if you're, if you're seeking out marriage and seeking out the vocation of marriage to be sacrificing for your wife now. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Did that answer? I don't know if yeah, I answered no, no, your question. Good. Yeah, no, no, that's good. Yeah. We've actually, Adam and I, we've talked about this, you know, like about should you date someone who's not Catholic? Mm -hmm. You know, because there's all these examples, like, well, you know, Adam did. And, it, you know, and there's a lot of people, mm -hmm. a lot of people who've, you know, dated someone who's not Catholic. And now they have this great Catholic marriage, you know. And right. on the right. one hand, wow, you brought someone into the church. Right. You know. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, that's true. That's, you know, there's an argument to 
Yeah, you did. Missionary dating. Missionary, right? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I am so handsome. (laughs) You're gonna save somebody. Uh, But so, like, I think Adam and I agree that look, if you're already in this relationship with somebody and you're you're like very close to marriage, I'm not saying like abandon her because she's not Catholic. Okay, but if you're starting at square one. Yeah. And you you're not and you're looking for someone right. to date. I think it's drastically better yeah. for you to start looking for for a good Catholic woman. Right. You know what right. I'm saying? I mean right. like because you know, at this point you can yeah. make all There's kinds of things. Right. Down, exactly, yeah. Yeah. You know, I live in community here with the friars here and um, and it's always kind of surprising you know, because we're all different personalities, temperaments and everything. And I always get surprised by someone makes a suggestion that I don't at first like, you know, and but then I, I see it as it was God doing something here, mm-hmm. you know. And have you been surprised by your wives, like maybe virtues you didn't appreciate when you first dated her that came to the forefront and said, well, I'm glad she I wasn't looking for that, but I'm glad she has. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, definitely, because there's. My, my wife is very endearing, just in general, like her, her, her disposition is very mm-hmm. endearing, is very welcoming, but she has a way that I didn't realize of see. I mean, obviously sin blinds you. And so mm-hmm. you, you get into these ways and you don't even realize that you're being maybe rude or you, you're, you're not being considerate or you're not being uh, you know, a good friend, whatever it is. She has such a good way of telling me in a loving way of a correction that I, I was not even aware of. Right. Um, and that's something I didn't realize at the time that when we were dating that she had, because yeah. maybe she would, she didn't have the confidence in saying it. Maybe she, I, I don't know exactly. Didn't want to blow the deal. Didn't want to, yeah, it didn't be, yeah exactly. <laughs> Getting mad. And being, but, but to be able to, to do that is an art uh, to where you don't get offended. You know, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't, your wall doesn't go up and be like, Hey, I'm, no, I'm not, you know, mm. um, to the point of, you know, she's just doing it because she loves you and right. wants you to be better. And that's something that I was not aware of until after we got married. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of that also is, is, is prayer life. When you're praying with your wife uh, every day, you're, there's a sense of vulnerability there, whether you even realize it or not, because prayer is a, is a vulnerable thing when you're praying with other people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's intimate. It's like you're sharing your soul yeah. Um, with somebody else. In many ways, it's more intimate than sex. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's one thing to share your body with, uh-huh. I mean, people will yeah. do that, you know, but to share, you're like, the, really the depths of your soul. Yeah, right. I mean, like, So she can see angles ab- yeah. about you that you weren't even aware of. Yeah. Uh, and, and they, so I'm a better friend when when Dave's around. Dave brings out something in me that our other friend, Juan, doesn't bring out of me right. because we're different. And, right, and we're all right. different. And so when we're all together, we're bringing uh, different things out in each other that that propels us and grows us in holiness. Yeah. Um, and so she's able to see, oh, even subconsciously, maybe I, I prayed about something and maybe I'm struggling with it. And I didn't even realize I was struggling with it. But she's very in tune right. uh, to receiving and listening to that to the point where she's able to kind of connect dots. That there's no way I would have been able to connect. Yeah. 
So she's like playing chess or your checkers. Oh, I'm I'm I'm, I'm barely like being able to. I've never even uh, experienced the double jump yet in checkers, and she's playing chess. She's I a keep, grandmaster in chess. I keep telling him, don't move your back row. <laughs> <laughs> you can't lose if you don't move your back row. Yeah. So that that's probably that's probably yeah. one for me. My wife um, has lived a life of of innocence. Um, this is much credit to her parents. Um, uh, and into her, uh, but you know, she never, she never fell away from the church. Um, you know, she was like that one person that people wouldn't, you don't use bad language around her. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, when we were dating one time, I used, I, I don't know what I said. I used some cuss word, you know, mm-hmm. and she said like, please don't say that word around me. Yeah. And it caught me off guard and it's like, yeah. oh. Okay, and so like what I and over the years, what I've learned more and more from her is about um, n- not only that I need to kind of my job to help guard her innocence, but that I need to guard my own innocence. Mm-hmm. That's something that men don't talk about mm-hmm. um, is guarding your own innocence, and and you know that's kind of like almost unmanly. You know, right. a man's not innocent. He's right. you know he's a man. He's in the world right. and. You know, and I'm not saying, you, you know, a cuss word with, you know, when you're with the guys, I'm not saying like, you know, there's some camaraderie right, there sometimes. Right, right. Um, but the things I watch, the things I bring into my body, the things that I think about um, really affect my own imagination. Right. And they affect the, the, therefore, they affect the things that I think about and the things that I ponder on, um, you know. And so that's just what I've really learned from her is um, just this idea of guarding my own innocence. And if you think about the saints, they were like, pick the manliest saints, you know. They, when you, especially if you can read their writing, there's an innocence there, you know, um, this purity. And it, yeah. th- those two childlike. things. It's childlike, right. Uh, and it's just so beautiful. Yeah. We need to guard our own. It's not just defending your children. It's... Honestly, I've become more and more, I believe this more and more. If it's not good for your children, it's not good for you. Mm. Um, like, oh, I would never let my kids watch this movie. You should not watch it. <laughs> I mean, like. Are you pretty strict with that, with yourself and watching? No. Uh, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, this is something I'm kind of like really trying to incorporate. Right, right. Um, I have adopted more and more rules and i'm like definitely moving more and more in this direction about right. yeah. um it's a you know i get asked that as a priest and i'm not sure what to tell people you know that um yeah about what they can or cannot watch you know because sometimes there's great films that have i mean the bible's got violence in it and sex sure. and stuff right. you know, hollywood's you know maybe making it too graphic or exploiting it or whatever but yeah uh, yeah, I don't know. I, don't I think know. it depends on, yeah, because actually violence doesn't bother me. Yeah. Um, unless, of course, the movie is glorifying violence. Right. You know, uh, so much of it is context. Yeah. You know, um, Adam and I, we've had long conversations about, is a movie intrinsically evil if something intrinsically evil is in the movie? That's glorifying. Right. Yeah. I mean, so for instance, one one rule that, he, like, at first I was not of this opinion, but and we've talked about it. And I've adopted a rule that if a movie takes the Lord's name in vain, I instantly turn it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, okay, what movie is it? What's the best movie in the world? Mm-hmm. Is it worth 
dishonoring the Lord's name? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, really? We're talking about God yeah. and his name. Yeah. You know, and so like that's just a, a rule I've adopted for myself. And so like basically I never finish any movies anymore. Because like, <laughs> like it's like great. The first 15 minutes is awesome. <laughs> right. And, no, and I'm telling you, like usually it happens at the you know, when like all the stuff is going wrong in the movie and like it's getting really good. Yeah. That's when one of the characters tends to take the Lord's name in vain because there's like some big crisis or yeah. and it's mm-hmm. like, well crap. I have to, you know, turn this movie off. Like so I usually get about an hour into most movies these days before I turn it off. Yeah. But like, I really, like we need to, I want to pursue Christ. I don't right. want to pursue other things. Right. Other things are fun, entertaining, and like, uh, I, don't, I don't want those things. Right. I, want, I want Christ. Mm-hmm. And I want him all the way in all over me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't want anything that's not him. And at my, at my judgment, you know, like things like, you know, movies, the movies you watched. Oh, well, it took, you know, like you realize it took my name in vain like four times. Yeah. Um, the one I worry about sometimes, you don't hear it often, but sometimes I'll take the Blessed Mother's name in vain. Sure. I mean, that, that too. one's really kind of scares me because yeah. like, don't you start talk about talking, my mom that <laughs> right. way. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Like, Jesus oh. might let you uh, <laughs> trash talk him, but don't say anything about his mama. Like, yeah. In fact, actually, I've heard from exorcists that uh, they say in, in exorcisms, the demons are incapable of um, like slurring the Blessed Virgin, oh, really? that they will say that they will say things about Christ, uh-huh. but that they're that they cannot actually slur the Virgin. Wow. wow. Well, let's. I want to wrap it up with just a fun point here about uh, some of the man gear. Just pick like one yeah. man gear object you guys like. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, I know what yours are going to be. Go ahead, I'll let you go. Uh, so, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there is this brilliant man who invented what is called the grill gun. It's essentially a, a domestic flamethrower. <laughs> no, it's not a heat gun. It's a, a flamethrower. It's got to it have the flame component. Right? It, is, it is awesome. The thing was, we did a flamethrower as a man gear for one yeah. episode because I love fire. Like, yeah. Right? Because right. it's awesome. Like, Whatever it is you're doing that's cool, like add fire to it, and now it's really cool. You know what I'm saying? So we, as like kind of as a joke, did a flamethrower as our man gear because I have this long history with my mom about going back, like ever since I was a kid, like in scenarios where I'd point out how much easier the task would be if we had a flamethrower, and there actually are like a good handful of scenarios where like a flamethrower might be the best tool to accomplish right. something. Like if you need a light. A forest on fire or something right um so anyway we did this on one of the episodes and then like right after that this guy uh, by the name of bob healy in tulsa a good catholic man uh invented this fl- it's called the grill gun and it's yeah. the it's designed to light your charcoal grill in okay. about 60 seconds <laughs> and it does <laughs> it works awesome um yeah. and uh so you can go to i think it's grillblazer.com and you can buy them uh, we we don't. You Is know, it like not, a propane? Or it's a propane, yeah, propane. Yeah, so it runs on like a propane tank, well, like uh, gasoline. <laughs> no, <laughs> right, no, yeah. no. Uh, but that's it's my favorite one, and I I have one. I use it all the time, and it like if you need to start a campfire, 
I'll race you. Like, whatever, you can do, you can light the fire however you want, and I'll use the grill gun. And it has a holster that you can. Uh, no, that <laughs> is a good idea, though. <laughs> I like where your head's at, Father. Uh, asbestos holster. Yeah. <laughs> Adam? Uh, mine, mine has probably been the fountain pen. Hmm. Uh, and the reason why That's is... That's not what I thought you would say. That's a good one, though. Uh, yeah, the reason why is because it brought uh, a lot of the things that I've, I'd, I'd forgotten as a kid. Like, I never used to write in cursive. Uh, and then with fountain pen, is like it's much easier and, and beautiful to write in cursive. And then it challenged me to, be, to write uh, in, my, in a journal and write letters to people. Oh. Um, and so... And that's a that's a that's a thing that I think we should be brought back. Like I think you should write letters to people. Uh, I, I think it is a, it's encouraging. I think it, it God typically like can use that in times where you don't know that this person's struggling or, or in a crisis, and you write them a letter to let them know, hey, I just want to let you know, yeah. uh, you were in my prayers today, and I hope you're doing well, and I hope your family's doing well, and if you need anything, give me a shout. Yeah. And you send that you send that uh, that letter to them, and they they read it, and like. You know, I've started doing this. People will like call me and they're in tears because they were struggling with something and they got the letter and it was just kind of the over the the, the tipping point where it, they, they appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that uh, we should we should write letters to people again. Yeah, it's probably a, a reminder of like kind of the sacredness of writing. Stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful and beautiful pen. Right. And it's beautiful. It's yeah. a beautiful tool, and it, yeah. and it, and it uh, yields a, a beautiful letter. And yeah. um, with the technology today, and how much easier it is to just type yeah. and just really quickly yeah. on on your yeah. on your keyboard, there's no intimacy about it. There's nothing like, hey, I took the time to sit down and thought about something about you that I want you to convey to you. Right. And then I put it in an envelope and put a stamp on it and addressed it and put it in the mail. There's just something intimate about that yeah. uh, that says, I'm taking the time because I care about you. Right. Um, everybody likes getting mail. And everybody likes getting mail. Like you get, like you, you, know, you, go a, the, you go through your mail and it's like, bill, bill, bill. And then you, you see something with this handwritten, you're like, huh, what is this? You know? <laughs> yeah. um, so the fountain pen has been challenge has been a challenge for me to write more in my journal to give to my kids someday, um, and then uh, to write letters to people. All right. Well, Dave and Sam, or Dave and Adam, thank you so much. I think it was Sam Guzman. Yeah. Yeah. About that. yeah. But, uh, thanks so much for chatting with us. Well, yeah. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm.